You're listening to the Canadian Country Music Podcast. Here's your host, Tim Albertson. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Canadian Country Music Podcast. This is episode five. I am your host, Tim Albertson, a Canadian country music artist and lover who has been infatuated with every aspect of the Canadian country music world ins and outs, the moments behind the stage, the songs, the business, and of course, share our stories with our fans. On today's episode, we have 12 new music releases this week, including tracks from Tim Hicks, Megan Patrick, and our pick of the week, Mike Robbins' new hit. We also have news about my music career, as I have just had the awesome chance to do some music video shooting for a live stream concert coming up as well as sending some get well soon vibes to luke hunter before we get to the new releases and headlines this week shout out to our sponsor hooligan fuel hot sauce with incredible flavors like the original creeping heat life's a peach limey bastard buskin nut and birthday biatch there is literally a sauce for every occasion and everyone and their new coffee-infused hot sauces, Mean Muggin' and Roast Rage, are available today. Well, Tim Concert, how could I get one of the best hot sauces in the market? Well, I'm glad you asked, horrible, fake, British impersonation of Tim. They ship all across the country. Find them today at www.facebook.com slash hooligan. That's H-O-O-L-I-G-A-N fuel hot sauce tell them our podcast sent you and add some heat back into your life Woo! all right everyone here we go it's time for the new releases and the news of the week this week's new releases have been brought to you by soundcheck entertainment shout out soundcheck Canadian country music playlist on Spotify. So here we go. Our pick of the week, one beer at a time by Mike Robbins. Go check it out today. Mama Prayed For by Megan Patrick. Beer Happy by the Griffin Brothers. Heartbreak Song by Tegan Little Chief and Nathan Cunningham. High Life by Graham Scott Fleming. Walking Away by Carson Janik. Crazy, the acoustic version by Strumming Stories. Slow Down by Steel and Timber. That's Who I Am by Rick Snyder, Blue Canoe by The Good Lovelies, Medicine by Sydney Mack, and Horses and Hearts by Tim Hicks. Some news this week in country music. Well, this week I had the awesome chance to work with Chad from Algoma House here in Thunder Bay, Ontario, as well as a photographer, Kay, as we shot for our virtual concert, Rootstock 21. Now, Rootstock is in support of Roots to Harvest here in Thunder Bay, which is an incredible organization doing incredible work, not just in our community, but the surrounding communities as well. It was my first time actually working with multiple camera angles and lighting effects. So as a performer, I was so excited. And when I saw just a quick snippet from the video we got, this is by far the most excited I have ever been for any of my live shows I've done. So Chad K, Algoma House, and Roots to Harvest, thank you guys so much for the opportunity. It airs on Eventbrite next Saturday, May 15th. 
Tickets are available at their Facebook page, so just go search Roots to Harvest Thunder Bay, and I hope to see you guys there. Now, Luke Hunter of the Hunter Brothers has been hospitalized for the last week and a half after he had an accident. Now, I don't know what happened, but the extent of his injuries are quite intense. After a shattered bones, dislocated elbow, severed ligaments and tendons, broken wrist topped off with an internal hardware store anchoring it all back together. His words, not mine. We wish nothing but a very speedy recovery and no doubt physio, so please, please get well soon, Luke. Now, on today's podcast, we have the amazing and talented Christina Rogers. Christina and I met during the, in the country with Dave Woods a few weeks ago, although I hadn't realized it at the time, but I had been hearing and singing her song, Whiskey Hangover, for months as we were both on the Canadian Indie Country Countdown at the same time when I had first heard it. Christina Rogers is a country pop artist who was born and raised in New Brunswick and made her way to Alberta in 2014. This singer-songwriter is a dynamic vocal powerhouse with a gift for storytelling. Her bubbly personality shines through on stage in her high-energy live shows. Christina hit the stage for the first time at eight years old and never looked back. She performed all over New Brunswick and made her way to Nashville in 2001, where she wrote and recorded with award-winning Nashville writers and producers. Her career highlights from the early 2000s include showcases at the CCMAs and the ECMAs, opening for Aaron Prichett, and cracking the top 20 on global TV pop stars, The One. She went on to become a radio personality, co-hosting a number one morning show, then worked as a sports talk show host slash sports reporter with Rogers TV. She took a step back from music and earned two university degrees. When she made a return to music in the last few years, writing and playing shows in Northern Alberta, her latest single, Whiskey Hangover, was played across Canada on country radio as well as Sirius XM CBC Country and went to number one on the Canadian Indie Country Countdown. These are just some of the amazingly talented things this woman has done, and she is just getting started. So sit back and enjoy, coffee it up, throw the kids on the online class and throw those AirPods on because we get this show started in three, two, one. All right, everyone, welcome to the Canadian Country Music Podcast. If you are listening live on YouTube, hello. Can't wait to chat with you guys if you are listening in. Welcome. I am your host, Tim Albertson, Canadian country music artist and lover. And today on the podcast, we have the lovely and talented and LMS Records latest edition, Christina Rogers. Christina, thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for like thinking that I'm cool enough to talk to you. <laughs> well, you are, and this and this and this is li- literally the reason why. So, me and you just met like I don't know two, three weeks ago on the yeah. in the country with Dave Woods. I was lucky enough to get on there. It was a highlight of my career, one of them, um, and I got to see you. And what I didn't realize while we were sitting there chit chatting and we're all playing is that I didn't realize that you had the number one single on the Canadian Indie Country Countdown. And that song, <laughs> Whiskey Hangover, literally. So, okay, a little further backstory. Um, my song came out. Take it back. 
<laughs> yeah, my song came out a week after your song came out on the Canadian Indie Country Countdown. And if anybody doesn't realize, so how they work it is that you basically move up week by week until you get to top to 12 weeks. And at the 12 week standard, then you start to drop off of there because that allows other artists to come up. The, the interesting thing is, is that by the week 12, everybody that was on your week, you really know very, very well because <laughs> they are basically keeping very close tabs on you, which was Whiskey Hangover. So I'm sitting there listening. And if Whiskey Hangover came on, I either missed my song already or it was coming straight up. It was one of those things where we were just like back and forth all the way up to the top. You made it to number one the week after... I made it to number six. Ooh, so, yeah. good. That's awesome, man. Uh, I, I had just started to drop down on the playlist as you hit your number one. So congratulations for that. I, I hit number one before and I know how much it meant for me. Like I was able to use that as a promotional uh, tool to kind of move my way out there. The name alone, Canadian Indie Country Countdown, actually packs a punch. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It was like such an indescribable feeling. Like I would wake up every Saturday morning and I'd be like, okay, okay, what, when's it going to be on? When's it going to be on? And I would like mm-hmm. listen to, to all the songs and like, you know, it was kind of cool. I was exposed to a lot of artists I'd never heard of before. And uh, I was just like every week I'd be like, okay, this is where I was last week. And all right, let's see how much, how high it gets. And then I would think, oh, let me just go up two spots. And then two songs later, I still hadn't heard my song. I was yeah. like, oh my God, what is happening? And then the weekend that it was uh, that it went to number one, it was uh, myself and Shelly Lynch. We were the only ones that were like even potentially going to make it to number yeah. one. And then it got to the number two song. I was like, okay, I'm cool with it if I hear my song at number two because that was my 12th week, right? I was yeah, like, yeah. it's okay. Like, that's amazing. I'm on a countdown. It's my first time out. That's incredible. Shelly's an amazing artist. She's a seasoned veteran. She knows what she's doing. And then I heard her song start and I was like, OMG. Like, I actually can't say the words that I actually said because it's probably a family-friendly show so I can't say what I actually said but uh, I just like burst into tears and was like this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me and just, yeah, I was riding that high for the whole weekend. <laughs> I felt the exact same way me and the girlfriend were sitting there and it's like number three comes on you're like okay 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 here it comes here it comes like one or two maybe one or two and then number two comes on and it's not your song and you're like no there's like, no way yeah. Yeah. Like so, your heart pounds in your chest, and then like you don't hear your song, and it's like, oh, okay, I'm still in it. I'm still in it. This is awesome. And then your heart beats even faster by the end yeah. of that song. And my next, and my next, and then you're not next. You're like, oh, this is it. Cool feeling. <laughs> it is very cool feeling. So that that's my short little tidbit on how we met. Uh, but for people who don't know you, Christina, uh, can you give a brief little bio about your music career? I know you started back oh. when you were eight years old. So let's start back there. I feel like this will not be brief, my friend. Um, <laughs> okay, so when I was like eight, eight and a half years old, um, my mom was volunteering in our small little community. There was a, a hockey telephone on our local cable station. And, you know, people would call in and they'd be like, yeah, I'd like to pledge $10. You know, the, the kids, the hockey players get to come on and read the pledges or whatever. It's like a super cool thing. Um, so anyways, my mom was volunteering. She's like making sandwiches in the kitchen for all the other volunteers and the band that was going to be performing that night and everything. And I was entertaining her and her friends that were making these sandwiches along with this old school, like yellow ghetto blaster that we had <laughs> in the kitchen. And, uh, Reed McIntyre songs were playing and I was just singing my little heart out. Probably was not very good at all, but, uh, apparently the band that was playing that night, uh, they thought I was kind of cute. They were like, oh, this is so cute. Let's put her on the stage. 
And I don't really think that people realize that I also didn't know what I was doing. I was just having a good time. Like I wasn't yeah. the kid that was going to freeze on the stage. I was like bopping my head back and forth. That's pretty much all I did. There's a video on my it. Instagram. Yeah, there's a video on my Instagram page that's like super embarrassing, but it's like literally the first time I was ever on stage and uh, singing by myself with a band. And it was just, I didn't, I didn't really realize what I was doing. I really didn't. And that's kind of what started everything. And then from there, people were literally calling in to the telephone number going, Hey, um, can we ask her to come perform at our event? Like this literally happened. So my parents would drive me, they would drive me all across New Brunswick for like years and years and years, like from age eight until I was able to drive myself. And then they still drove me anyway, because my parents were amazing. So yeah, it was good times. That's incredible. Wow. So what, what drew you to the country music? I heard like you were singing Reba McIntyre back there. Was it just like, was that the station that was on? Was that the music that was playing around your family or? Yeah, that was kind of the thing. Like my dad, he was always renovating our house when I was growing up, always building new things, tearing down walls, building new things. And we had this five CD changer and every morning at 8am he would put like his five favorite CDs. And they were things like from the eighties, like Sheena Easton and Hart. And uh, then there was, then it was three Celine Dion CDs that played a lot. <laughs> um, that's, you know, that's real, real manly music, right? Like the color up and we, up yeah. while you're painting, <laughs> we, right? We all have them <laughs> in those moments when we're driving in our truck alone and we're on a very, very, very secluded, dark country road. Yeah, Celine, is, right? Celine Dion is awesome for us. Right. And I never like loved the, the 80s tunes he was playing, but when he put like a Reba McIntyre CD in that, I would spring out of bed and I would go out and I'd be singing along and His yeah, is fancy, don't let me down, down. And oh. obviously like a nine-year-old kid did not understand that song at all, as they should not. But uh, <laughs> not, I love no. that song. I used, I used to belt that one out all the time, but uh, Take It Back was the very first song I ever sang on stage. Oh, that was yes. that was big. And I remember the video, she was wearing this like green satin shirt in a courtroom mm-hmm. and her hair was all, and when she whipped that bobby pin out of her hair and like whipped her head around, I was like, yeah, I want to be Reba McIntyre. That, that was, <laughs> she was kind of my hero for a little bit. That makes and then, sense. oh yeah. And then Shania Twain came on the scene when I was in grade six or seven. And uh, I mean, the jean vest did it for me. I needed to have the jean vest. And I mean, if you're a country singer now, like a female country singer, if you didn't have the jean vest, you have no business being on the stage calling yeah. yourself a country singer. I kind of sort of feel like that's one of those things that has to be checkmarked. I love that. Love that. But yeah, so, I mean, those are kind of musical influences that really started it off for me. And then once I got into Shania Twain, that kind of opened up doors other amazing female artists and then I was like super into Martina McBride Mm -hmm. she was like I would stand in my kitchen and I would sing 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 and like try to teach myself how to sing those high notes and how to project like she does and I mean I I probably tortured my mother to death (laughs) probably not very good when I was first learning how to do it but uh yeah so I I was big into Martina and then Leanne Rhymes hit the scene and I was like holy cow she's my age and look what she's doing Mm -hmm. I could do that too and I just kind of became obsessed with her you know what kind of kind of sort of thinking back right now I'm like Adam Gregory hit the scene around my time and I was really into that and like even Billy Gilman like he came out of out when I was a little man Yeah, yeah like little Billy Gilman came out and I was like wow like there's literally like a 10 year old sitting here and he's at the top of the charts like all right maybe there is a a little spot here for little timmy back when he was younger right like the first time i went to nashville i was 16 years old and um going down music row and there was there was a bus bench 
and Billy Gilman's face was on this bus bench. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. Like, I want to be on a bus bench. And I mean, for a couple thousand dollars, I could put myself up on the house. Hey, there you and go. Then, 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 like, I could do that if I wanted to, but I'd rather have to put on skateboard. Yeah, if somebody else could just pitch in for that. Right. <laughs> So, all right. So there's also something else that me and you have in common is that we have both had the opportunity to open up for Mr. Aaron Prochette. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. It was small, small little hole in the wall bar. It was just when he first started. It was just before Hold My Beer came out. And uh, I just did like a little acoustic thing, a couple songs at the bar before he went on. It was only an acoustic show that he did. Yeah. So, um, and that's actually ironically where I met uh, Jason Berry, uh, amazing Ooh. producer. Uh, yeah. So, I met him way back then and then never saw him again after that. But, uh, <laughs> our paths reconnected again when I got back into the music scene. But yeah, it's just crazy how that all comes full circle. But yeah, I did a couple, couple songs to open a show for him and uh, never actually met him though. <laughs> so I don't know. I met the guitar player, met Jason, but I did not meet Aaron. So Well, I, I can tell you that Aaron is 100% an amazing gentleman. He is great to hang out with. And he we didn't get to party, but I can gen- I can genuinely tell you that if you were to have a beer with this gentleman, like he is amazing. He was uh, here in Thunder Bay with Kira, Isabella, and David James on out on yes. the town tour. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I got a, yes. the opportunity to open up for him, and yeah, actually, little tidbit, I actually got to open up for his son because he was the guitarist in Favorite Drive way back when. So yeah, I've I've opened up for like a half of the Pratchett family. <laughs> yeah. So. So, Christina, you were saying that you you wanted to sing like Reba and you wanted to belt out like uh, Martina McBride. Did you study music or did you have any vocal training at all? No, my only vocal training, uh, I was three years old and I uh, my dad had taped a Tina Turner concert off TV and three-year-old me figured out how to use the VCR and I would always push play and rewind, play and rewind. And that was, I would sing like, what's love got to do with it? Up and down the hallway. I would ride my tricycle up and down the hallway and screaming out what's love got to do with it. Um, and it was really bad. Like, I'm not even joking. Um, the neighbors actually came over and they knocked on the door and they're like, yeah, I feel like, can you like ask her like not to sing or maybe just like close your windows because we don't want to listen to that anymore. It's really bad. But <laughs> you that were is one I'm... more belt away from CAS right now. <laughs> Right. So um, this is where like, God bless my mother. She pretty much told my neighbors to pound sand in a very nice way. She's like, no, she wants to sing. She's going to sing. But then mm, we're in the house. She's like, okay, sing a little more quietly. But, sing in the basement. She didn't take that from it. She's like, no, she's going to sing. And she encouraged me to keep singing. So That's awesome. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, so at a young age, you were also on global TV's The One. Yeah. Where, okay. And, <laughs> and you made the top 20. And to be honest with you, when I read this info about you, um, I'm more than positive. I, I I can recall that. Do you recall me bawling my eyes out on national TV when I got kicked you know, off? You, you know that? what? That, that might that be it. Happened. That might be it. <laughs> there, uh... Well, okay. So there were three seasons of it. And the first one was an all-girl group season. And that was, gosh, Sugar Jones was the name of the group that came out of that. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is yeah. old. Like I'm really dating yeah. myself here. <laughs> and then the second season was a boy-girl group, and Velvet Empire was the name of them. And the third season was the solo one, so it was Pop Stars the One. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
tryout for that in the in the, in the town in New Brunswick and uh, managed to make the uh, top five out of New Brunswick and then went to Toronto and got kicked off the first day. But it's a story that goes with this. Okay, it's always a story. Yes, yes, yes. So I am, to this day, I am friends with the winner of that. Um, like we, I never saw her again after the day I left that show. And then like 10 years later at my university, it's the first day of my education degree. And I look across the room like, I know that girl. I know I know that girl. And then I catch her staring at me and she's giving me that same look like, I know I know you. Mm-hmm. And then finally we talked to each other. We're like, oh my God, this is wild. So she told me the whole story of what happened after. And I guess the company went bankrupt and she never ended up getting her record contract or anything like that into the deal. It gets even more shady than that. So the girl, like the day I get kicked off, I got kicked off with this other girl and she and I were roommates in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And we started putting the pieces together is that everybody who got kicked off was in the same hotel room. So they were kicking off roommates to save money on hotels. Like, isn't that wild? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I remember we had a sponsor. It was Pizza Pops, but they were they were those little the pizza squares, <laughs> like Zappets or something like that. And I remember them filming us. We were like stuffing our faces with these. And a guy that got kicked off the same day as me, he went crazy because he get kicked, got kicked off. And he took the tray, he threw the tray up in the air, and he's like, F you guys, and F you guys, and F pizza pops. And the pizza pops was flying everywhere. It was just the craziest thing. Like, I've never experienced anything quite like that in my life. I will never forget that. All right. So, needless to say, I'm not assuming that that is where you got your TV bug. <laughs> no. <laughs> Finest moment, not my best experience. Because that would be, I remember I had the DVD of it because you could buy the DVD of the episodes and uh, it was like a compilation of it, not the full thing. But like literally, the feature of me on the episode is me walking over there and going, no, like bawling my eyes. That's it. 18 years old. I was 18 and it's so embarrassing. So embarrassing. But I still tell everybody because it's funny. Like if you can't laugh at yourself, then why are you here, right? Hey, you still made national TV. <laughs> I didn't get shined in my finest light, but yes, I was there. <laughs> and you did and didn't get first and get screwed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, right? So it didn't work out for her either. So I guess yeah, it's all there, right. There you go. Uh so where is it that you caught the screen bug? Because you ended up going out to do Rogers TV and you were host of a few uh... Yeah, um I've done a lot of things in my life, like a lot, a lot of things. So um I guess it kind of started when I went to Nashville when I was 16 and did a demo down there. And then, um, I mean, radio was obviously very different 20 years ago, very, mm-hmm. very different. And uh, we just kind of called the radio station. We're like, hey, she's got a demo tape with Jamon playing it. And they were like, yeah, sure, whatever. So they threw it on the air and uh, everybody locally just like really, really loved it. And from there, it kind of turned into that program director. Mm-hmm. Um, asking me if I would like a job working weekend. So I was like, yeah, sure, cool, man. So I mean, this was a couple of years later, mind you, because um, I was like 16, 17 at the time they were playing my songs. So I was like 19 years old. And uh, yeah, so he's like, would you like a job working weekends on our station? Yeah, sure, man, that'd be cool, whatever. University student, I could use some money. No doubt. So I, yeah, so I did that. And then six months into that, I got called into the boss's office. I'm like, oh God, I have no training for this. I'm fired. Like I was obviously really bad at this. And he's like, so our morning girl, she's having a baby and we need someone to replace her. Would you like her job? Does a one-legged duck swim in a circle? Of course no, I'd like no, her job. No. <laughs> so 
I did that for a full year. I co-hosted the morning show and we were the number one morning show in our demographic like every single year. So, oh yeah, well, my co-host was phenomenal. He, he drove the bus every day. He, <laughs> he was in charge. I was just there to uh, offer my commentary. And I, had I was just hanging out to the back bumper and go, Right? <laughs> pretty much what I did. Pretty much what I did. But, so I did that. And then um, after she came back, I went back to weekends and I still did that. And then a year later, I get called into the office again. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. Like, I've done something really bad now because I'm always pushing envelopes, right? It's not what I do. So uh, he's like, so surprised she's having another baby. Would you like to do that year again? <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. So I uh, did that. And uh, that's kind of where I got my, my radio bug. Like, I loved working in radio so, mm-hmm. so, so much. It was so much fun. Um, and kind of, when I finished up there, I, well, I was still working there at the time, I kind of got into um, our local Rogers TV station. Um, there was a sports talk show on TV and uh, the guy that was doing it was leaving and I kind of heard about that through the grapevine. So me, I had nothing to lose. I walked right into the building and I was like, hey, can I speak to the person in charge of your TV shows? And they're like, yeah, I guess. So uh, they brought it, they brought <laughs> it to me. And uh, I was like, so I hear that dude is leaving. Um, can I have his job? And she just kind of looked at you like, pardon me? Like, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, um, I would really, really like to have his job. And that's uh, like, uh, okay. So she had a little look at my resume and was like, yeah, that's great. So I hosted that for a year. Wow. That was full time. Um, I worked in the QMJHL for a couple of seasons doing in-game hosting for the St. John Sea Dogs. So that was a cool time too. And I guess that's kind of what got me into the sports thing. And then um, from that sports talk show, I ended up turning into a sports reporter. And I went around the province and covered Junior A hockey, the Q League, university hockey, and it's sad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All while going to university. I was a very tired person, but. (laughs) Now, are there any aspects from like the music and radio that you incorporated into the music business yourself? Um, like I say, it's so different now than it, than it was 20 years ago. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. learning what I've learned in the last like two years, even I'm like, Whoa, that's not at all how I remember that (laughs) happening. So, um, I think that just, performance wise like when you're when you're doing radio nobody can see you right mm, so that's why i, I do a podcast you can see I'm, doing, I'm doing this <laughs> with like no right on radio no one's seen that so it's kind of a um drawing your people in with the words that you choose and the way that you the way that you express them so i guess mm-hmm. that kind of that goes into your music as well when your delivery of a song right so they kind of go hand in hand that and again hand, hand talking doing it again <laughs> 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 i don't know how to do that but <laughs> it's all right what's the craziest interview you ever did oh um i got you mean like sports wise or do you mean like music wise what's okay. the, I, you know what now that you've brought it out there i want one from each so the craziest sports interview you ever did or or the funniest like the most memorable and then the most memorable music one. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> so, um, I think a cool one because they were really cool at the time before he did really bad things. Um, Headley was into our station, and uh, yeah, I know, right? Like it was a really cool interview because, like, at the time they were like, like the super hottest band that was out there. They were topping the charts, but it was really cool. I got to hang out with them for a day. 
sport? Uh, yeah, so that was a crazy fun interview. That was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I guess the ultimate sports interview I ever did was uh, Willie O'Ree, the uh, first the first black player in the NHL. That was yeah. the coolest interview I did because he's that from is. my hometown, the spread to New Brunswick. So he happened to be in the building one night when we were doing a hockey game and I got to talk to him and he shared like the coolest thing. And then, but this is the ultimate coolest one of life. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So like in the early 2000s, I went to Toronto and there was a huge, huge poster of Ron McLean on the side of the CBC building. And I was like, and this was when I was in the height of my sports career, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to interview that man. Like he is the classiest man on television. Like he knows his stuff. He's so pro and he just, he's amazing. Right. He is. I mean, to, 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 to the host of John Cherry and to be able to, to like deflect to keep him TV. in the reins. Like ain't nobody be able to keep Don Cherry on a leash, but Ron McLean like, could. Right. It's a huge effect for Ron McLean. And uh, he was coming to Grand Prairie a couple of years, five, four or five years ago now. He came to Grand Prairie where I now live. And uh, he was coming with uh, the hometown hockey. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I found out about it. And I was like, this is like prime opportunity. So I did some Googling and found out who his people were. And I emailed his people. And I was like, so um, I kind of like host this talk show every now and then. And uh, just wondering if Ron would like to be a guest on my show. Just, you know, shooting my shot. The worst yeah. I can say is no. And these people were always asking like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And it's like, okay, well, here's the address of our studio. They're like, no, 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 no. Come to us. So I got to interview Ron McLean on the set of uh, Rogers Hometown Hockey. Like that is coolest, coolest thing. That is incredible. Did you have the live crew behind you and everything too? Oh yeah, we had everything. It was so that cool. It was meant... so so cool. Uh, that is definitely my, the highlight of my career for sure. All right. So what would be your most embarrassing moment? I don't think we have enough time. To go. <laughs> Um, on my radio days, I've, I've got quite a collection, but, uh, and my, my old co-host will occasionally send me a message uh, and he'll be like, remember that time you said this? I'm like, yeah, I'd rather forget that actually. Uh, the time that I thought a hundred pennies was, uh, was a hundred dollars and, or a thousand, I don't know, something yeah. like that. It was really, it was like 530 in the morning. It was really early. My brain was not working. Um, we were talking about famous dogs one morning and we were like, you know, Benji and Beethoven. And I started, I shouted out, Flipper! <laughs> and it was, it was complete silence. And like dead air on the radio, like dead air on radio is, is bad. Like five yeah. seconds is like five minutes. And I swear there was like 10 seconds of dead air. All he's just staring at me, just sleeping. He's like, you idiot, Flipper, it's a dolphin. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, that is incredible. Oh, yeah. I am so happy I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could have lied and told you I've never done anything embarrassing. Yeah, like nothing. That. I'm a complete 100% professional. I'm a fake. Never, never. <laughs> okay, so after you did this for a little while and then you took a hiatus from your music, what was it that drew you back to performing? And what was it that stopped the train going at first? Well, I thought like I love music so so much and I felt this kind of getting a little stale like it was the same same bars all the time that we were playing same mm-hmm. songs over and over again um some of the people I was playing with at the time didn't really want to learn new stuff they were like we just kind of want to stick to what we're doing like 
but I wanted to get into the newer country and that yeah. kind of wasn't their bag of tricks. And, you know, where I was from, musicians weren't like in abundance. So, you know, I played with the most talented of the talented people um, in, in town, but uh, some were not on board with uh, going forward in the direction I wanted to go on. So, you know, we kind of just ended that and it was amicable. Um, and then I was doing all my sports things and my TV things and all of that. Um, and I thought maybe I just kind of want to do TV. Maybe that's my thing. Like I guess I just, I knew I had to work in media in yeah. some way, like entertainment. I knew that I had to. Um, but then I went and got my university degrees and started my career. And it was just, it was too much. It was just way too much. I just did not have the time to dedicate to it. So it kind of fell by the wayside. And then I moved here and I started meeting people and uh, I met somebody that was from New Brunswick and they're just like, dude, why do you not do what you do anymore? Like, why are you not still singing? Why are you still not writing songs? Why are you not performing? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. Should I? Like, so here I am. Back Fair in enough. It. Fair enough. What made you move from uh, New Brunswick to? To Grand Prairie, Alberta. Uh, my, my job. Uh, so I have a teaching degree, and he, at the time, you what a job essential with, worker. Um, <laughs> at the time, it was like you take a job where you can get one because there were no jobs to be had. There just weren't to be had. So um, I applied for a job at in Grand Prairie, and it was the first job I applied for. And the advice we were given by all of our professors was that you take the first job that you get. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's in like the middle of the woods and there's no town for hours, you take the job. So um, I'd never heard of Grand Prairie before. All I knew was that it was in Northern Alberta and that winter is like 12 months of the year here. (laughs) I need a job. So uh, I took a job with the school and like two, maybe like a month before school started, um, a job opened up in New Brunswick about an hour and a half from me and I applied for it and I got it. So I had to like sheepishly call the school to work. Um, so my mother you hired me and I'm going to not come. So I kind of put them in a bind and I was like, oh, I just screwed myself for the rest of my life. This is bad. Um, so I took the job in New Brunswick and then um, I was in this small little town, small, 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 small little seaside resort, lovely little town, but I'm, I'm a city girl. I needed mm-hmm. to, I needed to be where there was uh, more than one stop sign in the town and he didn't have to have a passport to get McDonald's. You're, like you're, I'm not joking. Okay, well, <laughs> the, the passport to get McDonald's is a little interesting, but I, your hometown had a stop sign. Oh, you're something. <laughs> no, mine didn't even have a general store growing up. Oh, dude. Yeah, well, so, I grew well, up I grew in Bush Town. <laughs> okay, well, I grew up in the city, so um, yeah, I grew up in in the capital of, of New Brunswick. So um, there's that, but then this place I moved to is this small little seaside resort and it's literally only lively in the summertime like big tourist attraction uh it's like the hamptons of new brunswick yeah yeah so but the minute that the uh the minute that the labor day weekend hits after that you can like see tumbleweeds go down the streets like it's bad so i just it's not good for my mental health but i had to get out of there so i called the school that i declined and I was like, hey, remember me? You hired me like two years ago. And then I kind of like put you in a really awful position a month before school started. Any chance you got a job and you want to give it to me? And they did. So <laughs> I truly believe this is where I'm meant to be. So I work at that school. I've been there. This is my eighth, seventh year there. My seventh wow. year there. So. What year? Yeah. Uh, what uh, grade? 
I teach grade five late French immersion. So they come to me at age 10 learning French for the very first time. And I got to get them up to speed in about a year. So if they're anything like me learning French for the very first time, I feel so sorry for you. No, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. Like I, I get up every morning happy to go to work because I love, love, love teaching them. I was the kid that my mom would look at me and she would give me the three strikes. So she'd wake me up in the morning. She'd be like, you got to wake up. Okay, wake up. Next five minutes goes by. I went back to bed. She turns the light on. You got to get up to go to school. Okay, I'm getting up. Ten minutes goes by. And then she'd come in and she'd say, are you getting up or not? No, I don't think I'm getting up. And she'd close the door and go right back to bed. She's like, I give up. You don't don't want to educate. And literally, like, yeah, yeah, I was not the best kid in school. Oh, hey, I didn't say I enjoyed getting up, <laughs> but, but I like going to work once I'm there. Love it. But getting up in the morning is tough. I'm not a morning person at all. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so here I am in Alberta. All right on. Well, congratulations. Welcome to Alberta. Um, I have not been out there, but I know quite a few country artists from that area. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a vast. Uh, a vast repertoire of amazing, amazing country artists. I mean, Calgary's like country music capital of Canada. So yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm very far away from Calgary, though. <laughs> it's not like a hop, skip, and a jump. I'm like eight hours from it. So uh, eight hours isn't all that bad. It's eight hours from here to Winnipeg right now. So right. Well, I think of it too, because like growing up, like when we were like in our like late late teens, early twenties, it was nothing to hop in the car and drive to Montreal, which was eight no. hours. It was nothing to drive to Boston, which was eight hours. But now I'm like, I'm not driving eight hours. <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have a little bit of a congratulations thing to give out today. As of a couple of days ago, you are LMS record labels newest edition. Yeah. So exciting for me. How, how did you. that come about? I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had, I'm sure you get this all the time. You get so many random Facebook friend requests. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And I always say yes to them, especially if we have like 70 friends in common and they're all music people, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to run into you at some point, or we have new school friends, like, you know, it's in the South School to make new contacts. So, um, this, this this wonderful dude named uh, myself he uh, asked me to uh to facebook and it never messaged me never said anything to me and months and months go by and he randomly liked one of my one of my music posts one time and i didn't really think anything of it a couple more months went by and uh i had just posted um an original song that i had written and i get a message from uh, a lady named julie massey and she was like, hey, I really love that song. Um, I would love to have a chat with you because I uh, co-own a new record label, LMS Records. I know, it, it's, it's a tongue twister. I have to read it every single time I do it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So she's like, we'd love to have a chat with you. And I'm like, like is this a prank? Like, what is happening here? And she's like, no, like, for real. And I was like, oh, okay. So we schedule a phone call with her and Mike and I had like prepped for this like it was going to be a job interview. I had no idea what was going to happen, but I like had notes in front of me of things that I wanted to tell them just in case they asked these questions and uh, they asked questions and I answered them and uh, apparently I gave all the right answers. They're like, we would love to work with you. (laughs) 
money. Okay. So that's, that's amazing. That. Uh, yeah, it's crazy how that happens because like I don't have a million followers on Instagram. Like I don't even have a thousand followers on Instagram. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I might get like 10 likes for my posts. Like it is what it is. And like people who are doing the exact same things as me are getting like thousands of followers and thousands of likes. And I mean, I know comparison is the thief of joy. It really yeah. is. So I had to stop doing that. I had to stop being like, oh, why are they, I'm doing the same things they are. Why is this happening for them and not for me? But I mean, the moral of the story is you never know who's watching. It's not about yeah. quantity. It's about quality. And that's mm-hmm. with anything in life, really. Unless Absolutely. money, money, quantity is important with money. But um, <laughs> in terms of people and uh, things on social media, it's the quality of, of what yeah. you've got and rather than how many. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that I'm also trying to learn now too, because I mean, if if we go into the de- depths of it, uh, a bar like this, I kind of sort of was expecting it to be a little bit of a more successful song than it did in terms of the, its streamings and whatnot. And uh, I I was looking around and I'm like, man, like all these streams, like people that are just starting out are hitting ten thousand streams or hitting twenty thousand streams, and it's just like. How and and I sat there and I chatted with my publicist about it and I was like, "What are what are we doing? That that they're not. What are we not doing that they are that somehow everything's working?" And he's like, "No, it's literally it's just sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't." He's like, "Yeah, what? lots of the drums." Yeah, but from this, I mean, I've gotten contacts from this song from various areas, so it, it's worked in different ways. So I, I, I'm trying to focus my energy not on the things that haven't happened, but more on the things that have happened. That's the thing, right? Like, I don't know. When I was first learning, I was like watching all of these successful artists. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they doing? And I was kind of like modeling what I was doing after what they're, they were doing. And I was very much not s- having, similar here. Not having the same successes as yeah. they were having. But I mean, it was a learning process for me because, like I mentioned before, so much has changed since I was in the game the first time. I have to relearn everything mm-hmm. and uh, learn new things on top of that. So it's definitely been, been a learning curve. But I mean, you just keep plugging away at it. Like, just because only one person likes your video or likes your post or whatever, you still got to keep posting those things. Like don't get discouraged. And I think for me, I went through a period um, where I did not feel like I was talented or that I was worthy or that anyone would ever care about my music. And I was like embarrassed to actually share like my art. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took me a very long time. Like I had many tasks, Many therapy sessions about this, and you know, hey, going to a therapist is healthy. Yeah, if you, no, one. if you like, I'm a big advocate for mental health, and mm-hmm. I think that everybody should go to see a therapist at least once in their life. But I mean, we've had chats about it, and she would say to me, she's like, okay, but you're doing the exact same thing. You're getting the same recognition that these people are getting. Like, why don't you think that you're talented? And it's it's a hard thing to say about yourself. Like, yes, I'm talented. It's hard to say that because you <laughs> it feel is. You, you should be more humble about it, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> I like I'm so awkward when people give me compliments. People are like, oh my gosh, like you sang that mm. so beautifully. I'm like, happy Easter. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like I'm so awesome. Awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's, 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 it's not hear. it's not you. It's literally me. I'm I'm not trying to be this person. It is just literally what comes out of my mouth. Right. And then when you get like so many consecutive compliments and you just think, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I feel like I'm being like not genuine anymore mm-hmm. because I've just said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so many times. But like, what else can you say when someone gives you a compliment? Right. Thank right? you. That's the appropriate yeah. response. But, exactly. Yeah. Oh. 
So not only this, you are also getting into the songwritings I see. You have quite a few little songwriting sessions set up. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to branch out and start working with others? Well, so like my whole life, I have written songs. Um, mm. Like it was fifth grade when I started. I still have all of my diaries from grade five and they are full. Do you use them for like, inspiration? I look back at them and I like laugh so hard at the things I've written. Like, do you ever listen to that podcast or watch that show or YouTube videos about the mortified diaries where like oh, grown adults? Yeah stand up and read their diaries yeah mine are mine are way more, embarrassing than <laughs> way more but that was how I always dealt with my feelings and things that I was going through like I I remember writing this like poem song about this girl and it was in grade six and the, oh, maybe I shouldn't tell that story <laughs> but um we're I too deep into it now Christina we're too deep I got I gotta tell you the rest of it so um this girl like, I was bullied really badly in elementary school like really really badly and I would write about these girls in my diary about like you know they're so much prettier than me why can't I be as pretty as them or as talented as them or as smart as them or like, all these things like always comparing no. myself okay dog that's quite enough I'm sorry, my dog is barking. <laughs> Even <laughs> she doesn't want you to tell it. Yeah. So, in any case, um, there was this a couple of lines that I had written about it because everybody loved this girl, like loved her, and like she was not a nice person. She was not nice, and for grade six, she was well developed. We will say. Fair and enough, yep. I remember writing this line and I was like, someday it's going to expose you. Someday people will expose you for who you really are. But what I really want to know is where you get the watermelons you put in your bra because aren't they out of season? That is the, the line. I started writing a song about the girl and that was the chorus of the song. That is and, awesome. Right? Like, those are the things I write about. And you just write what's on your heart, right? And I mean, 12 year old me, that's what I thought about that girl. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I just told you that story. God, who let me on your podcast? <laughs> hey, hey, this is who exactly why I wanted you on the podcast. I have no filter. It gets me in trouble all the time, all the time. That's all right. This podcast has no filter either. If you, if it slips, it slips. <laughs> we're, we're all human. Right. So I mean, from there, I just, I just kept writing things and I would always write little paragraphs or start to write things and not finish them. And then when I was 19 years old, I had my very first heartbreak, like the, like it was my first serious relationship and it crushed me. And I remember like bawling hysterically and my mom asked me, what can I do? How can I help you? And I was like, take me to the music store why I'm like i want to buy a guitar She's like that is the weirdest thing i've ever heard but okay get in the car let's go so i uh we got there and obviously guitars are very expensive mm. i did not know that but there was one that was hanging in the window i still have it to this day it's right over there in the corner but um it was hanging in the window and it had a like a price sticker on it um and because that had been hanging in the window, it had faded the guitar oh, everywhere yeah. except for that sun-shaped sticker. So when he got it down from the window for me, because it was the cheapest one I had, that was like, I'm going to get that one. Took the sticker off. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize this had happened with the guitar. I was like, no, no, I still want it. That's cool. And he's like, yeah, well, I'll give you a discount on it. So I think I paid like maybe 120 bucks for this Segovia guitar. 
And right, like everybody I say that name to, they're like, oh, you own one of those? Like it's a jazz yeah. guitar. And everybody who's ever played it is like, it's the most beautiful sounding guitar. I'm like, well, those mm-hmm. sound beautiful when I play it because I don't know how. But so I taught myself three chords and I just started writing like songs about how I was feeling using those three chords. So obviously they weren't very good songs, but um, but I guess country music is just three chords and the yeah. truth, right? You so, know it. You know it. Right? And then I kind of taught myself some more chords. And then I, by then I had like five in my repertoire. So my songs are getting a little more complicated. <laughs> um, right. And then I thought that you have to change. You have to have a whole bunch of chords in your song. And I would put so many in that I didn't even know how to play my songs. Mm-hmm. I could never remember how to play them. So it's just kind of a big mess. But so um, I've always been a lone wolf. I've always written by myself because my songwriting is my therapy. It's always like mm-hmm. what gets me through breakups, what gets me through hard times. Um, I don't, until like the last like year or so, I don't think I've ever written a happy song. I don't know how. So I was like, I've got to expand my songwriting skills here. And, you know, you can only do so much on your own and you're not going to learn unless you start listening to other people. So that was kind of my, my goal during the pandemic. I was like, well, everybody's got downtime now. So I'll just send <laughs> out to some people. So yeah. um, I ended up on Dave's show. Like, God bless Dave. He's the most amazing mm-hmm. person. Like, I, right? yeah, shout out to Dave Woods. So amazing. Like, I'm so grateful because I just sent him a message. I'm like, hey, you don't know me, but um, I just put out this song to radio. And it's like, even Sirius XM is playing it. So it can't be that bad. Um, <laughs> Would like to put me on your show and he was like yeah sure come on on so i went on and went awesome. on a few times since then so yeah. uh i met uh brian john harwood on his show and he was on his kansas stone the first time we were on together mm-hmm. and they had such a cool vibe and i just like loved them and i just became an instant fan and then the second time i was on uh he was on by himself and i was really big in his chill vibe that he had yeah. going on like just like I need to learn how to write songs like that. So after the show, I kind of reached out. I was like, can I write a song with you? Like, can we do this? He's like, I'm totally expecting him to say no. But he's like, no, I would love to. So that's wicked. writing a song. So yeah. and I learned so much from him, like so much in that time. It was amazing. Oh, that's incredible. Is there certain things that draw you towards certain songwriters? Like, is there somebody out there that you would absolutely love to work with right now that you could shout out on this podcast because they're all listening? Uh, do you mean like famous songwriters or like, like, famous songwriters non-famous? like i i am so surprised if you actually look at a songwriter's list for singles these days like the songwriting list actually is quite long there's a lot of people out there that are composing together right like a lot of times now you'll see like six songwriters charges on the song yeah and, like we were you, i was you just talking to aaron it. allen last week and he was he has written one with david boy james and brian john hardwood and james barker band and i was just like wow and like this is all on one single and i'm like well, I, I didn't realize how like combined it is nowadays where you i guess with the oh. luck of the internet now you can have up to 20 people on zoom at one time so yeah it yeah. makes it a lot easier for sure um i think that like my ultimate songwriting hero would be diane warren mm. um like epic legendary songwriter mm. um because like power ballads are my thing like like i said my dad would always listen to celine dion and diane warren has written so many of celine dion's most famous songs and you know so there's that and then 
Uh, How do I live? Was that big one oh, um, that yeah. Trish Yearwood and Leanne Rhymes had to like country groups and pop on it. Yeah, that's your next cover right there. Tim. There it is. <laughs> fun little and fact. So, sorry, I, I don't. Like, I don't mean to cut you off on this one, but fun little fact. My very first song that I ever performed live was Celine Dion's "My Heart Will Go On." No. Yeah, and I was seven years old at that time, so my voice was definitely not this low anymore. It was somewhere like way registered, and I when I sang that song my class that was right behind the gymnasium i did it acapella because i didn't know how to just have the track and not have the lyrics on it at the time so i did it acapella no music no nothing and i walked into the class and they're all standing up on a standing ovation they're like man you you did that awesome blah 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 and then like some of them were just standing up just to stand up and they're like oh man you played really well with that track and i was like that wasn't a track that was just that was just me singing they're like that was you yeah so yeah, that that's where my singing bug came from. I was like, all right, maybe maybe I could do something like this. I was like I am today. I'm a bigger kid. I can't run fast. I'm not I'm not the most handsomest guy that I ever grew up with. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like so I was I was always looking for that one little thing that kind of like separated me from everybody. And when I sang that and I got that recognition, though, that that was it. And from there, it just kind of kept kept the ball running and running and running. Oh, yeah, dude. But, but yeah, so there, there's my Celine Dion story. My very first song I ever sang was Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. But, you know, I can kind of relate to what you said about finding that thing that separated you from everybody else. Like, I don't know if it was so much that it was what separated me from other people, but I think that it was kind of an escape for me. Because when I was on stage, I was Christina Rogers, the singer. Like, I was not mm-hmm. Christina Rogers, the person. And people would look at me differently when I was on stage. And I didn't have to worry about people. This is ironic because, I mean, as artists, we're putting ourselves out there to be judged. But I wasn't worrying about the judgment from people when I was on stage because I knew I was good at what I did. And, like, that sounds, like, not humble at all. But, you know what you know no, what I'm yo, saying? Like, no, absolutely. You don't on the stage if you don't know what you're doing, right? So yeah. That was my thing. It's like, I know what I'm doing. And this is one thing that they can't tell me that I'm not good at they can't tell me they can't make mm-hmm. fun of me for this yeah like that was that was my thing that was where I was comfortable that was where I was felt at home I didn't feel anxiety being on the stage it was just this is my place this is my happy place that I was in the zone I didn't have to think about anything so it was my comfort zone yeah yeah and the same thing for actually to be honest with you like almost practicing for my shows was my little comfort zone um I've never actually told the story to very many people before but when i would practice my family lived in a along the power line so we had a little like ravine and a little gully behind our house and in behind there there was these massive culverts to allow the water to go underneath the road and whatnot well on the massive culverts i would stand there and i'd pretend that the culvert was the stage and that the gully was the crowd so and because i lived basically the only time that people come down my road is when they were hunting or fishing or camping um so very very little vehicles would drive down the road and literally i would stand there and that would be my stage and i'd pretend like everybody's there and i'm singing on stage so that is where my little like that was my my time and i don't know if my mom ever saw me do that out the back window or not if anybody drove down the road i would just pretend like i was walking and just be like and just wait till the vehicle drove by and then i'd run back and start performing again and yeah Oh my yeah, god. So that 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 was my little uh 
my little time for me when I was when I was practicing was when I actually got to kind of get into my zone. Oh, see, I used to do similar things in my basement. I would line my Barbies all up, mm-hmm. and they would be the audience, and I would sing to them. And yeah, <laughs> even even as a kid, I didn't want my family to hear me. I had this thing where, like, I it had to be a surprise when you heard me sing. So, like, really? yeah, so my dad couldn't hear me sing, my mom couldn't hear me sing, my brother couldn't hear me sing, and to this day, like, when I go home and we're, like, all hanging out, I don't sing at all. It, See, and it's I'm not that they the don't ask, yeah, it's not that they don't ask me to, but it's, they, it's never even brought up. I'm Tim, I'm not the singer when I'm at home, so it's kind of nice. Interesting. Yeah. I have, a, I have a different, a different take on that. See, I... I don't like when people hear me practicing. I'm not really down with that. Like I, uh, I, I get embarrassed if I don't hit the right note and mm-hmm. I feel like I, I feel like I'm being judged. Right. Yep. So um, when I'm on the stage, I got to figure it out at that point, but I mean, the practice part, no, I'm so afraid of being judged, mm-hmm. but um, I have a very hard time singing in front of small groups of people. Like if a group of friends, like was hanging out at a party or whatever. They're like, Hey, yeah. sing something I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Cause no. I don't like the close proximity. I don't mm-hmm. like the familiarity of these, that they're my friends. I mean, they're my friends. They should be the people that are encouraging me the most, but I'm just so <laughs> nervous about that, but I'll stand in front of a thousand people and yep. sing to them. That's no problem. No, yeah. no, I feel the exact same way. Some of my friends are sitting there and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a country singer. Somebody's like, Oh, sing for me. And I'm like, well, you know, like I got songs like on YouTube if you really want to listen to it or something, or we could throw it up on the Ghetto Blaster. But yeah, very rarely am I the one that's just like, okay, no, 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 right. And like me with guitar playing, I'm not a guitar player. I never will be because I just I suck at it, and then and I'm fine with that. I don't even try to hide it. But um, it's gotten to the point where I do have to play for myself. And over the last couple of years. Um, I've really had to work on being comfortable with that. Um, mm-hmm. So like, thank you to Dave's show for allowing <laughs> me to uh, practice that where you know, thousands of people could be watching, no big mm-hmm. deal. But um, it's it's very difficult for me to play guitar and sing at the same time. I just can't do it. I just cannot. So I muddle through, I managed to get the job done, but I mean, it's not like amazing in any sense. So I'm either like, it's one or the other. If you want me to be really good at singing, then I cannot play the guitar. And if you want me to play really good at guitar, then don't ask me to sing. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get mediocre at both. So. Yeah, and that, I I 100% agree on that too. If it if it comes up on stage and I have the opportunity, I will always take the microphone more than the microphone and the guitar. Yeah. Because well, I, and- I can do 100% at vocals or I could do 50-50 at vocals and guitar. Right. And so this is where this really was a really bad moment for me. And it was when I knew I had to learn how to play guitar. So I was like 19 years old and the CCMAs were in St. John, New Brunswick. And I happened to be living there at the time. So, I mean, I'm like living it up, loving the CCMA thing. And we're doing this like open mic showcase thing. And it's my turn to get on stage and my guitar player is still not there. And I cannot perform without a guitar player. That's ridiculous. So who's next behind me to perform but Mr. Brett Kissel before he is famous Brett Kissel. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Little bitty Brett. Little bitty Brett. So, yeah. So he, so yeah. Um, So we're chatting backstage and I'm freaking out because my guitar player's not here. He's like, well, can I help you? Like, can I, like, and he's like, what are the chords to your song? Is it hard? And he's like offering to learn my song mm-hmm. before he goes on stage and performs 
at the CCMA, like, like what the heck, right? right? So at the last minute, dude that was supposed to play for me ends up showing up. But I get off the stage and I will never forget this moment, but Brett Kippel looks at me and he goes, you were really, really good. Can I have your autograph? WTF, like, yes. so, so I'm like, um, I think I should have your autograph because like, I, yeah. I've heard you throughout the weekend, like I know who you are. <laughs> And so we exchanged autographs. I'm sure he does not have mine. Probably, <laughs> probably does not remember the story at all. But go, go double check that. Go double check his <laughs> grandfather's barn on his live stream that he did the other day and see if you can find that little piece of paper hidden around there. Right? No, it's it's definitely in my parents' basement somewhere in a book. I know it is. I know. Oh, that's incredible. But yeah, that's that's my my cool Brett Kissel story. But. Oh, I would love I would love to write a song with Brett Kissel. Like that would yeah. be the coolest thing for me. I you know what? I would love to write a song with Brett Kissel. I would love to sit around a bonfire with Brett Kissel. I would literally like I will learn how to drive a tractor with Brett Kissel. Like I don't care. That gentleman is by far one of my biggest inspirations. And it's literally just the human being that he is or that he portrays. Is he's just so down to earth and wholesome and so Christina, you were, we're, we've been talking about different types of music all night long. What are you listening to on your playlist? Oh my gosh. It is such, a, such an eclectic uh, collection of songs. Um, I made a playlist the other day, Taylor Swift Bangers, because I just love T-Swift. Like I was saying on Dave's show, I don't want to go back and listen to the old one because I don't want to give the I don't want to give the revenue to uh, to her old label because they will get the money. Yeah, that, yeah, fair right? That's another. So, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> exactly, but that is where I think it's a huge step forward for her. She made a big stand. She's just like, mm-hmm. it is not okay that I don't own my whole life's work. This is not okay. So I think that that was probably the step that she was trying to make rather than yeah. be like, oh, look at me remaking my music. Isn't it so awesome? No, I don't yeah, yeah, think yeah. Her that had anything to do with making the songs better or anything, no. which is why I think she did them like identical to how she used to do them. It wasn't about remixing them and making them, you know, more with the times, more radio friendly for the year 2021. Like it wasn't anything like that. It was just send the message that, hey, yeah. I'm in charge. You, I, you I'm can't exactly take what's mine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, is that is there any surprises that we can find on your playlist is there some certain things that like looking at you people would never assume that you're listening to um i think one of my guilty pleasures and this is so embarrassing i'm gonna tell you anyway um because you know what haven't i told you already that's probably hey. <laughs> that's um, so much about you christina so much about me um so Whenever I'm having a bad day, which is, is a lot lately, uh, whenever I'm having a bad day, the song, the, the CD, I guess, that I love to pull out on my Spotify is S Club 7. Do you remember oh, S Club 7? That S British pop Club. Show? Ain't no party like an S Club party. Yeah, show party. you yeah. hey, Everybody getting down to right? the I, I haven't love- heard that song since I was a kid, and it's still stuck in my head. Right? <laughs> me so happy like i could be like staring at like sad unadopted animals for 12 consecutive hours and like being sad about it and i'll put on an s club seven song I'm like hey i'm still sad about the puppies but yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh 
So that's kind of my 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 guilty pleasure that I would be embarrassed if anyone saw that on my playlist. But now I've told everybody listening to this podcast. So yeah, there you go. Hey, there you go. Are there? Do you have any playlists that you have specifically set up for your music? Like, do you have like a song or anyone where you kind of listen to a song and you're like, all right, like this is I can I can kind of use something from this and I can kind of use something from that or do you just go on basically like divine inspiration um I listen to those like hot country new in Nashville things because I like to try to listen for ideas like I always Hmm. used to go with the idea that like I don't really care if the song is radio worthy like if it means something to me and someone else connects with it then yeah. I've done my job because I've always been more of a lyrics person rather than a melody like the song could have like the worst melody and like sound horrible but if it's got w- words I'm yeah. gonna put that on repeat like it's because it's gonna hit me right in the field so um but like whiskey last, hangover <laughs> I hope that hits someone in the field but it definitely hit me in the field <laughs> it was one of my life stories but um I, I have a really hard time with these because I don't know if you've ever like examined those playlists, but you have to go through like 20 male artists before you get to a female artist. Mm-hmm. And it's such an inequality. And that drives me crazy that I typically will shut those playlists off. And I'm like, actually, I don't care about what's being played on the radio nowadays because it's all male artists. I mean, they're yeah. amazing male artists and great songs. So like, I need to hear more female things. Like I need mm-hmm. to hear that. And like, love me some Miranda Lambert, like love her. She's like all over those charts right now, but her style is not who I am as an artist, yeah. so I can't really draw inspiration from her. Mm-hmm. So I'm still looking for that female artist that's going to have the song that really hits me. I yeah, and I I mean we we've had we've seen a little bit now that uh, the female artists in the country aspect, like we we have some pretty amazing artists like up and rising, like Tennille Arts and Tennille Towns and. We've got Marilyn Monroe and Kira Isabella. The list goes on and on. So they, we are starting to make a pro, some progress. I unfortunately, I don't know why, but it still seems to be legs behind. Um, and that's another reason why, if you've noticed on my podcast, I try to put as many female artists in this show as possible because I honestly think like the females are going to end up taking dominating in Canadian country music here very, very shortly. I don't know why you guys aren't yet. Um, I've, <laughs> I've, I've opened for Tennille arts. I've seen her perform. I've opened up for Kira Isabella and like, they are incredible musicians. And then, right? yeah. And like Marilyn Monroe and man, Tennille Towns, Tennille Towns. Like she's from GP where I live. Boom. Oh yeah, no, we love her. She's like, she's like the pride and joy of GP. Like she's and so incredible, and she's a wonderful human. She's not just an amazing artist. Like as a human, even if she didn't sing, people would still love her because she's mm-hmm. just so incredible. And then we've got like, we've got Christina Rogers, and we have Susie Corey, and we have Nicole Ray, and man, I, I'm there's so so many more out there. Like you guys are just on fire lately. So I am all on board. Push you up to the top. Well, I'm going to shout out some amazing Alberta indie artists right now that I think deserve a lot of love and a lot of spins, mm-hmm. a lot of streams. Mariah Stokes, love her. Yes, She's yes, so cool. yes. Like, so cool. Um, Michaela Sheedy, I'm, like, obsessed with her because she's so real. She puts it all out there and just so amazing when she sings. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to cry when I hear her song, Lost. It's like, oh, so oh. good. And uh, Haley Benedict. I'm oh yeah like she shreds on the guitar like she's right? so talented yes 
So I, shout out to those three chicks. Love them. Absolutely. And for that aspect, please, please show up on the podcast. I would absolutely love if I had like 11 weeks straight of female artists, I think that's where we're going to find out a lot of information because they are coming. I, oh, I'm, and I am extremely excited about that. And I thank you for your efforts to promote us girls. <laughs> really well, appreciate that. Hey, I mean, that's well, why I'm so grateful for all the spins that I've gotten on radio. Like I wasn't expecting to get a whole lot because I knew that first of all, I'm an indie artist. Mm-hmm. Second of all, no one had ever heard of me before. And third, which is the biggest strike against me, I'm a female. So I didn't have very many high hopes, but I mean, I still got a lot of spins and that's pretty cool. I'm still waiting for that check to come in. I'm very excited about that. But uh yeah, so I'm just really grateful for all, all the uh, the chances that that radio that uh, music directors took on me. Well, I mean, with a song like Whiskey Hangover and the ones that you have, absolutely, they would definitely want to spin those songs. Christina, what are you up to next? What's your next project coming out? Ah, next project. So I've been working on what was going to be an EP. I've been working on it for three years now, and mm-hmm. just things just haven't really worked out in in that sense just the timelines and then COVID really threw a wrench into everything because my whole team of musicians and producers everybody's back in New Brunswick because you know Mm -hmm. like there was a million Albertan uh producers and musicians I'd love to work with but I mean my heart is in my home and I want to support those amazing local artists like I just really want to give them all the all the support that I can and I love my team they get me they understand Mm -hmm. so um, were they the ones that brought out your releases previous no like so like a million years ago I did those songs in Nashville and you can't find those anywhere except like in a cd in a yard sale somewhere but uh I told you that story before yes you um, did actually (laughs) I remember that Right, the CD I made when I was 16 in someone's yard sale for a quarter. Yeah, good times. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> and then I got in a lot of crap with my Nickelback comment. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah, that, that was, was rough. That was rough. We love you, Zach Ruger. We love you. We love you. Yeah, no, no, no. There, there's no bad blood whatsoever. <laughs> no, but so the song that I put out before Whiskey Hangover was a song called Pretend, and that was also done by all the same people. But I started out on a very small scale. Um, Because I wanted to learn. I didn't want to invest like a gazillion dollars and then have it flop without knowing what I was doing. So I started on a small sale and uh, called in some favorites from some radio people that I knew and some advice from people that uh, were in the industry. And you know, put that out there just to see what it would do and learn from that experience and then take what I learned and put it into the next one. So that ended up being Whiskey Hangover, um, which was initially not part of the EP. After I had uh, put out Pretend, uh, the feedback I got was that, you know, production wasn't big enough on this. Like, it's a good song, but you need more production behind it. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool beans. So I felt like with what we had already started, it was going to be hard to scrap that and start all over. So I was just like, okay, I'll just write a new song, whatever. So I wrote this new song, and then that was the story with that. But I still have those other four that uh, we're supposed to go on the EP that we're still working on now. So we've been adding things as we go, like, mm-hmm. you know, adding more, or adding more, uh, more instruments, adding more guitar, adding more background vocals, you know, this, that, or the next thing, or rewriting a line here and there because it doesn't really work for me anymore. So things like that. So um, I've got two more that are like almost ready, just some fine little tweaks. So I would say by middle of June, you will have brand new tracks. And mm-hmm. that is a guarantee because now I have a record label that's saying, uh, get your butt into your head. <laughs> now I have somebody else that's in the driver's seat yeah. for that. So now, I, I now you've got somebody else away. kicking you in the ass for it. Yeah, right? that's 100%. So, it has been one heck of a conversation with you. 
I'm it's looking. Got a I'm, roller coaster, right? Like, all right. Hey, that's perfectly fine. I have a ton of knowledge sitting inside this podcast right now for a bunch of people. Um, well, Christina, thank you so, so much for coming on to the show today. This has been absolutely amazing. It has been literally one of the funnest times I've had sitting behind the screen right now. This has been great. You are 100%. You live up to the quirkiness that I was anticipating. Yes. Yes. Celebrate being weird. That's what I tell all my students all the time. Like, it's okay to be weird because someday someone will love you for that. Damn right. <laughs> it might not be today, but someday. <laughs> someday. 100%. So, no, this was so much fun. Like, thank you for having me on. This was absolutely, awesome. Absolutely. And we're going to have to have you on again because once that record label, once that record label gets that release from you, it's going to be balls to the walls, girl. There's going to be a fire underneath you and you are going straight up. I promise you that. That's the plan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who haven't heard you before, Christina, where can they find your music and where can they follow you on social media? All right, well, I'm on every streaming platform you could possibly imagine. Uh, so you can just look me up, Christina Rogers. Um, I would say the place that I'm most active would be my Instagram. So it's at Christina Rogers Music. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at Christina Rogers Music. I'm not a Twitterer or a tweeter. I don't do that. Um, the uh, bird thing, the whatever. Yeah. I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't do that. So um, <laughs> too much for me, too much. I don't do TikTok. I'm too old for TikTok. I don't understand it. Like, so I'm not a TikToker, but uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook, you can find me there. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Christina, for coming on today. Thanks, Tim. Uh, take care. You too. Bye. So there you have it, everyone. My amazing interview with the one and only Christina Rogers. Be sure to check out her music everywhere on all major streaming platforms. As well, check out her Facebook and Instagram at Christina Rogers Music. Next week on the podcast, we have the creator of Soundcheck Entertainment, Mr. Hendrik Papp. This man has been in the game for decades. His passion for all music genres drew me into him when we started working together for my single, A Bar Like This. I cannot wait to talk business next week and learn from one of the very best. My name is Tim Albertson. You can check out my music at www.timalbertsonmusic.ca. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook and YouTube where we premiere the live video of our interviews with the live chat in the chat rooms with the artists. Just search the Canadian Country Music Podcast. Also, if you're an artist and you have some insight you want to share about your experience, please, please email us at the ccmcast at gmail.com. Until next week, everyone, remember that love is always free. See you all next time, and please, please take care of each other.